Welcome to Saga. Erupting blunt launcher. Joy Then you've got like African American Peter Parker in space, and you've got like. <laughs> There's a battle happening between the Rebel Alliance and the Empire, and then you see Jar Jar run by and get shot in the back. And that's it! <laughs> sack up, sack up, sack up! I am Steve, and with me here today... Addison Waldo! Kenneth Sack up, nerds. Muslim rap. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Welcome to Sack Up. I'm Steve. I'm Addison. And I'm a Kennedy. <laughs> Sounds like him. He does. Perfect match. Ken's not here this week, unfortunately. He uh, got called out to a last-minute business trip to San Diego, right? He said SD, so it's either San Diego or South Dakota. Oh, <laughs> man. If it's South Dakota. <laughs> was Minot? My, Minot's North Dakota, Minot's right? North Dakota. Yeah, yeah, so, man, if it was South Dakota, that really sucks. At least San Diego's nice. Yeah. But if he has to go to South Dakota, that'll totally suck. We should ask him. Find out sometime. So, yeah, he's gone. Um, so, it's just me and Addison. Just SA today. Yep, just ghost riding the whip. <laughs> Solo or duo. Duo. Um, duo hardline. And this will be a this this will be a double episode this week because I didn't manage to get the episode up last week. And this is episode twenty slash twenty one. Twenty one. Well, so we'll have twenty up. So this is technically twenty one. Twenty and twenty one are going to go at the same time because last episode so, well, was twenty. Okay. I, I didn't know if you were going to make like mash up and yeah, put just them bring them together. together. Yeah, <laughs> just this super long episode. Yeah. Well, wasn't our last one like hour forty five or something? That's something like that. Pretty yeah. long for us. But. Yeah. Um. So this is episode 20 of Sack Up, and it is... Uh, 21, sir. 21, never mind. Yeah. But we didn't say 20 last time. We but didn't say 20, but now we're retconning, because 19 is the last one that's up there. I know, because I looked, and yes. I was like, two, two uh, Super Best Friend casts, and no, <laughs> and no, no Sack Egg. Yeah. I'm so sad, but... So yeah, we're on 21 right now. We are on 21. 100% legal. In the last episode of... of uh, sack up. We did not mention the podcast number. We forgot about it. Yes, and it was our because we damn fools. Well, it's appropriate though because twenty is the forgotten number. In at the age of growing up, nothing happens when you turn twenty, except maybe I you have like a quintal life crisis. <laughs> but even that would be like twenty five nowadays. That's right? quarter we should life. be having our, our quintal life. Oh, you mean fifth? Okay. Yeah, one fifth of your life is gone. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Penta life crisis. Yeah, Penta life crisis. Well, but like. Um, I would say the 19th's pretty... Like, what does turning 19 grant you in terms of legal privilege? Nothing. Nothing. But that's the thing... And neither does... At least for 20, you're in the second decade of your yeah, life. Yeah, that's right? true. Although, you're not. You're in the third decade of your life at that point. Zero to nine. Ten to nineteen. Twenty to... I guess if you... Do you index from zero? When it comes to You're born to at zero. You're not... You turn one years old, right? Yeah, I guess so that's true. life indexes at zero. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, yeah, so... Plus we, nine months. 
Right, which is always weird. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not actually alive when you're in the womb, so. Exactly. Abortion is we, <laughs> we, we know this. We take this as scientific fact. Yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah, so we're, we are, we're 21, fully legal. The last milestone, except for 25. Until you're like 50. Well, 25 is supposedly when your car insurance drops and you can rent a car. This is true. My car insurance has not dropped. You can I, 25. I hope mine does drop because what the fuck? Is it super expensive? I pay like 750 bucks every six months. That's a hundred something dollars a month. You have a newer car though. I pay 90. But that's the thing. Ben has the same year car as me. He pays 85. What kind of cars do you have? He's got a Subaru Outback. Yeah, I guess that's about the same quality. It's a quality. really nice yeah. fucking car. Yeah. No, it's way better than mine. Do you I have any accidents? Got, you hit that trash I've got can zero, once. I, no, that was in that was my sister in my old car. Oh, okay. In in the, which was not my car. It was my parents' car that we all used as kids. Uh, the white smear. The, the greatest <laughs> 1995 Pontiac Grand Prix that was ever... That ever existed. That I don't know why I love that car so much. Because it was your first car, man. It's not even that though. Like I, I remember even before I knew it was going to be my first car that I loved that car. Because some some weird family member of mine, like my my dad's uncle or something, owned that car, and yeah. then he died, and we got it or something like that. And I just remember being in it. And I'm like, I fucking love this thing. Like interior looks like shit. The controls are terrible. Like I remember one time I was at. Quiznos at my job as a sandwich artist wizard where you worked yeah Yeah. where where you worked as a young lad and an apprentice for some reason I'm getting out of work it's 11pm I go to turn the lights on and this is not you know like I just like twist the thing on the end of a rod or whatever this is I have an actual knob (laughs) that turns for like normal lights lights brights and I go to turn the knob and it just snaps off (laughs) <laughs> just completely broke. Like, and it's not even because the plastic of the thing was broken. The thing for changing the lights would not move. I took, it was jammed. I took a wrench out of the back of my car and was trying to like turn it super hard. It wouldn't budge. Come back the next morning. <laughs> it was a fucking demon car, but I love that car. Did you have to drive home with no lights on that night? Uh, no, it was a little too late for that. I, I I was willing to risk it, but my mom's like, if you get caught by the police, you're fucking screwed. So yeah. it's like, all right, just, you know, bring me back in the morning. <laughs> yeah. my car, but... Oh, oh the demon car. We yeah. all had names for our cars. Yeah, Mine was Green Thunder, which makes no sense when you think about it, because Thunder does well, not have a visible cer- It's certainly thunderous on the uh, on the highway when you start That's getting true, up there yeah. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, The white smear, the blue blaze... The, uh, we had then Kenneth had the silver stallion. No, because see, white smear was uh, Stephen's car. Was it the fucking Amigo? Yeah, was it the I, was it the white? No, his was the Elder Heath. The Elder Heath. <laughs> <laughs> the Elder Heath. The Elder Heath. And what a Heath it was! was. Seriously, it was a 1989 Nissan Amigo. Yes, I don't even know where you buy one of those. Sitting in the back seat of that was a fucking the worst. Nightmare. When you were like, if you're Alex height right or Bryn height. Yeah. Sitting in the back is just like you're sitting in a seat, whatever. But for you and me, and I don't know if Ken ever said, had the horror of sitting in the back seat. If you're six foot t- tall plus, you're already like craning your neck because the seat is for some reason so elevated high. above <laughs> the front seats. But if you go over bumps in that Quadrangles parking lot, I'll be like, break your neck. Yeah, the Elder Heap, and yours was the White Smear. White Smear. Bane of the White Smear is what they called you. It was fucking Ken's 
Silver like Stallion, Nissan Altima. Okay, Silver yeah. Stallion, and I believe I believe Alex was the blue was, hedgehog, wasn't well, it? Well, we, we it was Blue Blaze, but oh, okay. it was an obvious reference to it. It was also Sonic, which I guess technically my car is Shadow then, because I literally just have a charcoal gray version of his car. Now you do, yeah, yeah. Yes. You're Shadow, yeah. You should be the Shadow. Shadow and the Hedgehog. Ken's Ken has a black car now, but before he had the silver one, so he would have been Silver the Hedgehog, the oh, dumbest Jesus. of the Hedgehogs. Yeah. And then I'm green, so I was Vector the Crocodile. Vector <laughs> the Crocodile. Yeah. And then, uh, the fucking B tier Sonic characters. Why yeah. do they even exist? Knuckles started all that shit. Knuckles like, is A tier for life. Not one. Well, no, what I'm saying is like. Like, they put a lot of time and thought into Knuckles, and he actually made, like, Sonic and Knuckles an awesome game. Because that was the first time where you had, A, two playable characters with distinct storylines, but they also, being on the same level, still had different paths they had to take, yeah. so different abilities, right? Sonic, yes. uh, Knuckles can climb, he can punch through the walls or whatever. But the that he was the harbinger. He, he opened the gates for all these other motherfuckers to show up big... Uh, all the the chaotix people, right? The bee, the yeah. chameleon. What was his name? The, um, um, e, e something. E, SPO. 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 Yeah. SPO. The chameleon, and then there was the bee, Charmy. Charmy, Charmy the, the bee, bee. Vector the crocodile. Vector the crocodile. And I thought there was one more in that that group, but it might have just been three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because SPO had the giant shurikens. Yeah, he was, he was the ninja, ninja chameleon, of course, because yeah. he could blend in. Fucking ASU calling me again. They want that money. They want that money and they will never they get it. They want you to reinvest. Fuck that shit. They didn't even They put you where you're at. No, they didn't. <laughs> I, I took out loans and paid money to get where I'm at. Fuck them. But, uh... Yeah, so... Reminisce. Yeah, so, 21. I remember my 21st birthday. There was a lot of drinking involved. But I had started drinking before that. Because 21, well, we all 21. Did. I mean, when we were in those last couple years of high school or of uh, college. It was the first beginning years of college when we were all turned 18. Because yeah, I. When, so when you turn, turn 21, obviously, you can have your first legal drink, at least here in the States. Anywhere else, it's like 18. It's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. But we started drinking. I remember we were all like anti drinking growing up. And then we got into college, and I started hanging out with people who were like 25, 26, Alex Schmizu and them. Yeah. And so I was, I got access to alcohol and I remember it was, it might've been my 19th birthday. I got a bunch of alcohol for us. And that was the first time we threw a party at, at Alex's apartment, Alex and Ken's apartment. And it began from there. Do you remember when your first drink was? Um, I really don't, to be honest. I know it was definitely after high school. Yeah. I would say... I mean, I remember a lot of fun times from the first periods of my life when I was had access to alcohol, but I don't remember, like, the first time I ever... I'm sure it was at some party that we held, because I didn't, I didn't really do that by myself at first. Yeah. So, but no, I don't really remember. Hmm. Just kind of lost to the batteries of blacking out. And the, the, the sands of time. I just, I, I remember I, I really did not have any inhibitions for drinking at first. <laughs> I did not know when to stop. I was Well, sure. no one does. That's yeah. why you have to, you have to throw up several times before you get to the point where you become seasoned enough to be like, because everyone has that moment after, for me, it's after like my third drink, maybe my fourth, where I'm like, okay, I can keep drinking. And I know turn this sh- into a thing. Yeah, and I know shit's going to go off the rails, or I could stop, and it'll probably be kind of lame, but I will not have a hangover tomorrow. 
you know. That's why I'm glad I like drinking beer now. Like, if I have to drink... I still don't like drinking beer. I'm totally okay drinking a Heineken or a hard cider or something. Like, liquor is totally fine, but, like, my liquor days of any, like, serious proportion are far behind me. Well, you you used to be able to drink a lot, and it was a lot of liquor. You drink a lot of liquor, Mm. but you... Now you can barely drink. You can barely have a beer. I can have a couple beers, but because a lot of time I'm driving, I don't want to, right? Yeah. I'll have a beer for taste, and so I eat less of my actual food, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's basically just drinking bread. That's true, point. it is. But, yeah, I don't I, I just, I remember, it's such a weird thing, story, but I, I, don't, I don't think you were there. It was like me and Steven were hanging out on New Year's. Did I ever tell you this story? I don't know. I mean, I maybe you probably did, but I, I probably don't hear have. It again. We, me and Stephen were hanging out on New Year's. I think this was New Year's in going between sophomore and junior year, mm-hmm. or no? It would it would be between freshman and sophomore because Christine and I were still together. But um, we were hanging out just at his place. I don't know where you guys were. I think you all had like other parties you were going to or something. Yeah. So it's just me and him at the apartment drinking, and we had gotten a thing of lime Smirnoff. And um, Bailey's. It was the weirdest like things to have, but we're just like. Where did like, you even get it? I don't. I don't Probably know. from one of Stephen's weird friends. Yeah, Stephen's weird friends, or maybe like Colin or something. But yeah. I think Colin actually. I, I remember. I'm, I've paid him for alcohol many times, <laughs> but um, mm. but it was just us drinking. We were having the funnest fucking time. That was because we were playing Rise of Nations. I brought my laptop oh. over and we were playing Rise of Nations and getting. Just fucking hammered like, to the point where we're just like, what the hell is going on? And I remember we just like got our army in the center map, drag a click into their base, and then just left the game to go drink more. <laughs> and we came back and we fucking won. And then like Christine came over and we kept, we we got through all of that shit. But that was so much fun. And you can't do shit like that anymore. We're too old for we're that. We're too now. old. Yeah. We're, well, we have too much responsibility, yeah. and we've seen too many horrible things come from drinking because to to have the recklessness to to drink like that anymore. Yeah. I just can't do. I mean, this weekend was the most I've drank in a while. I had. I was at uh, our friend Randy came over and he's a big drinker, and um, we went and saw a show on Friday night. And we, beforehand, he came over and we had uh, two Old Fashions before we left, which is basically just all liquor because it's whiskey. And bitters. And bitters. And bitters, are, bitters is 46% just alcohol. alcohol yeah. And then sugar. Like, that's all it is. Yeah. And so we had two of those. And then we went to the show. And we the second one we made was a double because we were drinking it on the way to the show. And it was about a 30-minute drive to the show. So we drank that. Got through the first half of the show, went to a bar next door. Immediately when the intermission started, we ran next door to this bar and had Jameson on the rocks. And then left and came back here and had another one. Another old-fashioned. And I wasn't just, like, shit-face hammered, but I was, I like, was definitely... Definitely got to that point where it's like, fuck. I was like, this is probably, I probably didn't need that last one. And I had a hangover the next day, and it wasn't awful, but I, it was, I definitely had a little one. And then on Sunday, we went and we had... I think three, maybe four old fashions. 
And I was like, and we smoked too. We had we got acid fourteen hundred cc combination. Yeah, and so we was like, at the end of the night, man, I was like kissing Kimmy, and she was like, "You just reek of whiskey." Like you, and I didn't really taste because all I tasted was the cigar. And I brushed my teeth, and she's like, "You just smell like whiskey so bad." And I wasn't drunk; I just had so much of it in my system that it was coming out of my out of my body. So, but I remember the days like I was talking to Randy about it last night about some of the just like. It would be like, those are the days where we had, like, no responsibility. So I would go, you know, I'd have to work on Sundays occasionally. And I would I would go to Alex Schmuse's house all the time when we would get drunk. And I would, like, show up there just to hang out and be like, I'm not going to drink. And then everyone would start drinking. And I'd have a shot. And then I would just end up getting really, really drunk that night. And I'd show up to work hungover the next day at GameStop. And I would sleep in the corner for, like, an hour. <laughs> Because it was Sunday, so no one ever and no one came in first thing in the morning. So I would sleep for like the first hour I was there. Those were the days, just the random craziness that happened yeah. at parties. What was your worst drinking story? It's got to be when I went to that Chelsea's party. That thing at Chelsea's it's house. The weirdest, like the day before Easter. Yeah, <laughs> I go to go to uh, her house, and I went there, and I didn't even. It was such a weird, like, confluence of events, because the whole time I was there, like, we're hanging out with Chelsea, and I didn't plan on, like, drinking at all, but then she's like, hey, do this shot with me. I'm like, oh, fuck, all right. Yeah, because she had huge boobs, so you had to. She was hot. Yeah. But, so I take the shot, and then don't, I mean, I just... You don't remember anything that happened. I remember, like, blotches of things happening, because there were, like... In hindsight, from the weeks that followed, like, events that correlated to other things in my life that I was just like, I can see the threads of fate now. <laughs> yeah. like, but, like, I just remember I was drinking. I had, like, a, two shots of vodka and then, like, four beers. And then I went out to go have a smoke with some of the other people that were there. And I just blocked out. Like, I literally remember, like, talking with this chick... And then I, like, woke up and I was, like, laying on the ground and I had thrown up. <laughs> like, were you outside? Yeah. Was, oh, they just, just left you was, outside? No, no, they, they were picking me up. They were just like, are you okay? And then I woke up and I was just like, shit, I need to get out of here, like, get inside <laughs> off the street. I don't want, like, the cops to cover some yeah. shit. So they, went, they put me in the backyard. I, you know, got real sick, drank, drank a bottle of water, and then they put me to sleep in the bathroom. <laughs> Like, yep. I literally slept with the the foot thing when you step out of the shower, right, as my blanket, and just, like, around the toilet, and just be like, Bleh. Yeah, everyone's out. God, I remember. Uh, I was so embarrassed. And I just woke up, and I fucking left. That was, that is, hands down, like, the worst sickness I had from drinking, and the worst hangover I've ever had in my life. I thought I was gonna, like, legit die. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, my liver's gone. I've got no chance. <laughs> uh, this is it. Goodbye, cruel world. The world wasn't made for people like me. <laughs> so, I had... Oh, man. My most... My... One of my worst stories was... Probably like the the one where I just made a real I was just made a fucking mess of myself was the do you remember the night that I went to Alex's house Alex Muse's house and I got and I got really drunk that night and I called you the next morning talking about how like I feel like I had just really fucked up things with a lot of my friends over there and we had like a long conversation like an hour and a half the next morning I think so it was like seven thirty in the morning that I called you 
And I was like, I just had a fucking crazy night. I think so. And I was like, I remember you having called me that early once before, so it might be. Yeah, and like we talked about it, and I just felt I felt so ashamed of myself. But I basically had like gotten really, really drunk that night, and I just was like at a weird place in my life where I wasn't sure about uh, what where if I wanted to continue with music because I had gotten shot down by ASU and U of A, but accepted to Berkeley in Boston. So like, and I couldn't afford to go out there, so I kind of was at an impasse as far as pursuing music. And I remember I got, like, really, really drunk that night, and I was about to pass out, but I really didn't want to pass out, so I was fighting to stay awake, but I started, like, going into hysterics, like, freaking out. I was, like, on the ground, like, screaming about random nonsense, just, like, crying, like, free, like, I was, and it was just... The drunkman's curse, Yeah, it was... It was embarrassing. Like, I, like, all these emotions that I had, like, been feeling for a while, like, came out, and, like... And I just was like, I made such an ass of myself. And Chelsea was there that night. Um, but I remember I was so, I was drunk. And, like, they were trying to take me upstairs to the guest bedroom and put me to sleep. And they, like, and I, like, literally would not move. They tried to pick me up. And I was just, like, I was, like, curled into a ball. And I just, like, made myself as heavy as possible. I was like, no, leave me alone. Let me sleep here. And they, like, dragged me up the stairs. And I was on the stairs. And I was like, no, just let me sleep here. So they finally dragged me up the stairs and threw me in the guest bedroom where I passed out. But that was, I woke up the next morning. And I was, because I said, like, a lot of stuff. Like, you know, Alex was just like, dude, like, you need to go to bed. And I was like, no, I'll fucking kick your ass, man. (laughs) Just belligerent and self-deprecating and and terrifying at the same time. It was the worst. And uh, that was when I woke up that next morning and I called you. And I was like, I just fucking ruined my friendship with everybody here. Like, (laughs) it was awful. But the worst hangover I ever had was actually October of 2013, which is the last time I really went out and, like, partied hard. And I went, it was when I worked at that bar canteen and it closed and they did like a kill the keg thing that was just like $3.50 Patron shots. Everything was dirt cheap. And so like, and I had worked there, so I got like everything for free. So I had like, I had like three margaritas and four shots of Patron. Jesus. In like tequila even. And then you do that. And then like, and I did that in like four hours or something. So that night. Kimmy ended up staying pretty sober and like we got home and I and the only time I've ever really passed out there's two times that I've passed out that I remember one I was ha- I was in the middle of having sex and I woke up like an hour later like I we were like having sex and then I like I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time and then I just woke up like I just woke up suddenly and I was like oh shit what happened and I was like did did we have sex and she's like yeah and I was like did we finish and she's like oh yeah and I was like oh my god so <laughs> wait at least you know that even in a, a like a completely inebriated state sexual tyrannosaurus exactly <laughs> so I like uh, I woke up but then at Kimmy's house it was like 3.30 in the morning we were sitting there and I was so drunk and I started passing out on the couch and then we went to sleep, and I woke up at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I got so sick. And I was sick until, like, 6 p.m. the next day. And I literally... Kimmy almost had to take me to the hospital because she thought I... Like, I had alcohol poisoning. I definitely did. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. Like, I was laying there. I couldn't move. I couldn't drink anything. Couldn't eat anything. I did not want to live. <laughs> it was over. And ever, and ever since then, it took me six months before I, I would really... Kimmy claims it was three months. I think it was about. I would have a. I couldn't even think about alcohol without getting sick, and then I was able to have a little bit of like fireball, 
but it was at least a year before I had tequila again. <laughs> you crawl your way back. <laughs> yeah, it was at least a year before I had tequila again, and I still don't drink that much anymore. Because now, anytime I drink, I'm just like, why? At least we... What's the point? Are the kind of people who got annealed by those experiences and took it in stride and were yeah. like, okay, I'm this many years old, like... I know I can do this still if I want to, but it doesn't actually, like, gain me anything like it used to. It's just kind of like, maybe I get to have a couple hours of fun, but my entire next fucking day is completely trashed, and that time is precious to me. Yeah. There are people who are our age who, who haven't figured that out no. yet. No. <laughs> Most of them work in the bar industry. Yeah. Well. Um, do you remember that night that we got really drunk, and then the next morning we got up and watched The Hangover in the, in the apartment? I don't. It was when you were sleeping, you were living at Alex and Kenneth's apartment, and we you were sleeping on the bedroom floor, or on the, the living room oh, floor. Oh, my sleeping bag. And we, <laughs> we got, all got really hammered one night, and the next morning we all woke up. I slept on the couch, and we woke up the next morning, and, we walked, and it was just you and I, because I think Alex was at work, and Ken was gone, and Stephen was, was living at, with Brent at that point. Yeah. So you and I just watched The Hangover, <laughs> and just hung out all day. Hey, man, whatever. Those are the days. Those times. Yeah. So we uh, we had a Super Smash Brothers four tournament. Yeah, we did uh, on, on Sunday, Sunday two days ago, and me. it was awesome. It was really yeah. great. We aside had... from me getting fucking inexplicably ill. Yeah, you got really sick. I don't know what happened. I got home immediately, threw up, went to bed, woke up, threw up again. Were you dehydrated? I don't. That's the thing is, I thought that might have been it, but I had like two bottles of water. Yeah, you brought that smart the, water. Yeah, I had the two the big ass bottles. I drank them both completely. At the tournament. So I was like, it can't be that. I think it, it was either um, the eggs that I had that morning or that pretty much. I don't know what else it could be. Yeah. Like, I maybe I didn't cook the eggs all the way or something. Just had, like, food poisoning. I had to get it out. Because I woke up the next morning. Totally fine. I was just like, all right, well, it's time for the day now. <laughs> I was dying yesterday. I'm fine today. Yeah. Isn't that life? Yeah. That's the way it goes. So um, we had 70 unique entrants, which was awesome. It was double what we had for our Amelia event. Um, we we partnered with Radio High Rule, which you should check them out at RadioHighRule.com. Our friend Austin runs it. We actually got double booked at the venue um, because we decided to move our date back a week, and Austin was on the same day, and we didn't realize it, but we ended up working together. He ran a bunch of audio stuff for us. They were playing Zelda remixes the entire time. It was really cool. It's legit. It felt like a fucking an actual event. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like that corner is going to look kind of bare without all that equipment. Yeah, there next <laughs> yeah, next time. Yeah, well, Austin wants to possibly do it again, but renting all that stuff's really expensive, and I told him we're not ready. We don't want to invest in that. Well, we don't have any money. We don't have the money to do it. it. Yeah. yeah, but he said that uh, he he wants to meet with us and talk about maybe getting some stuff set up to do that again. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm totally cool having music. It was really fun with the stream, right? I mean, it's the perfect accompaniment when there's downtime. When you're on downtime, exactly. Right. So. Uh, we ran a stream. The stream was was a lot of work. It was total chaos. We ran it, it off was crap for like half the time, and then it got great because we were using the wrong networking equipment. Yeah, it was like all choppy and stuff. And then the we actually we were using a fifty megabyte switch and we router, a fifty megabyte router, and we should have been using a five hundred megabyte switch that they had there for their gigabit. Um, but Austin plugged it into the wrong thing. So the stream itself, pretty decent. Not great. It needed a lot more attention than it got because Austin was so busy with all the other stuff that he didn't have time to really sit down and babysit it. Yeah, like having the score numbers upside down. Yeah. (laughs) So you will see the VOD and it does not look great. And there's there's wrong player names. There's wrong scores for sets. Uh, It definitely is not perfect. But it was a really great learning experience. And the next one is going to be is going to be way better. 
Yep. Um, we had casters, and the casters did a really good job. Um, overall, it was it was awesome. So tell me, your this was your first event that you've actually gotten to go to and run. Tell me about your experience. What did you think? Well, it was, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it was we got lucky or not, but it, our, the TOs were amazingly competent. I mean, mm-hmm. they just... You you couldn't like take work from them, you know. Yeah. Javier, <laughs> like, Javier and Timmy, a, Javier and Timmy, those are our TOs. They yeah, are phenomenal. They were fucking great. I mean, it. I, there there came a point like after we did registration where there was literally nothing left to do. Yeah, like they just knew exactly what was going on. We didn't have to like corral people or anything. It was just like, you know, Javier called out the sets. You come, you play fucking games. You you're in the bracket or you leave. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was just. It worked. It went really smoothly, a lot smoother than I thought it was going to be for how many people showed up, and that that's another nice thing is you don't really like feel like I don't, I don't know for me I can't really like gauge how like numbers in terms of people. Yeah, like, like if you when you see a large I, group of people, yeah, when I see a large group of people, it might as well be a million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's just, if it's not like a, a finger countable amount of people, right, yeah. or like easily countable, then it's beyond counting to me. And so many people is a lot of fucking people. That was a lot of people. Even even having a space as big as we had, it was you know. It well, and they were all really well. Yeah, and they were all on the left <laughs> side of the, of, the, of Endgame, where like they were on the bar side, which. Um, we could have spread it out, but they kept it. They kept all the setups on that side, and there was a lot of people. It was it was. Did packed. the TTZ guys get their setups back? By they the did, way. yeah. Okay. And they they I got their uh, charger back to them too. They lost a charger uh, for their uh, gamepad. They got moved by somebody, and I found it and gave it back to them today. So yeah, big thanks to TGZ, by the way. The yep. gaming zone down on uh, Broadway and and Mill. Is it Mill? Yeah, Broadway. It's Broadway no, between it's Mill Broadway and Hardy. And Beck. Broadway Beck and Beck is the the street that's in between Mill and Hardy. But yeah. Priest, I guess they're closer to Priest. Between Hardy and Priest? No, between Mill and Hardy. Between Mill it's and Hardy, it's called yeah. Beck. It okay. turns into industrial, but yes, yeah, they're they're down. They're they're a local arcade. Um, it's fucking sweet game in there. Store. They're awesome. Yeah, if you like games, you like chill people and. They host a bunch of tournaments, as I recall. They have like a fighting uh, game tournaments all the time, and yeah, they have a biweekly Smash Four tournament that they run. Um, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. And they've got actual like cabinets to play Street Fighter on. It's not just mm-hmm. you know you're not just playing with the controller. They've got <laughs> yeah, they've <laughs> legit got the, setups. They've got uh, Marvel versus Capcom cabinets too, like yeah. legit ones. Yeah. Yep, and they're the owners are cool guys. So if you're in the area and you care to check it out, please do. It's, yeah. We went there to talk with the owners, and it was nothing but a pleasant experience. So yeah, and they totally they brought they they brought their setups over. They set them up. They just left them there. Um, the only thing I wish is that I wish we had banners for them so people would know they had brought those they had brought those setups. But I talked to them about that in the next time. They they're not going to be able to 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 give us setups for the tournament on June twentieth, but July twelfth they're going to be able to. Um, I mean, we seemed like we were swimming in setups to a point. Uh, we need we could have used more, I think. But the big thing with 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 we use with Smash Four, you need TVs, you need uh, monitors or TVs. Well, and, I mean, we had that whole other side, but trying yeah. to deal with that many people split across a giant ass space looking game, yeah, <laughs> a nightmare, definitely. So we, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, big shout out to the Gaming Zone for sure. GamingZoneAZ.com. Uh, check them out and check out their tournaments. Go hit them up. They're they're awesome guys. Uh, George and Alejandro are are awesome guys. So, what else did you did you notice about the experience? Was it was it weird having all of those people show up for an event that you created? It it was a point of pride for me because it's like some of the people 
who showed up were you know people I went to high school with or, or yeah college. you knew a like, lot of people well I knew a couple I mean like uh, Calor and Illuminati mm-hmm. went to high school with me and Ken and then uh, Calor actually had like two years of classes with in college just for like bio- biology and history or some shit yeah. randomly and so just seeing him again like <laughs> Completely changed. Did he? <laughs> yeah, Miles is like, like way ripped and shit now. When he was not like that, he was he was a lot like a like a five and a half foot version of you, basically really? back when I knew him. And now he's like, "What's up, motherfucker?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He filled what out a smash. And then uh, Daniel there, Wolfen, um, still hang out with him from time to time. But it was it was cool to be able to tell them. You know, they come up and be like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" I'm like. It's my event, son. Yeah, running this bitch. Yeah. Oh, welcome. I'm the A N S A K. Welcome to my domain. Yeah. But it's just. I think overall, it's. I. It's good that we're able to give people a place to compete to actually win some legit money. Because I mean, first place got what, like two hundred sixty bucks. Two hundred sixty dollars. Right? Yeah. Ten bucks over the pop bonus that was even provided. That's a pretty hefty chunk of change yeah. for. You know, six hours at a tournament or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, the people, you know, second place was 150, third place was, I think, 50, and um, fourth, fourth place was, was like 35, and then 538 was 20 bucks. So those people got, you know, two times their entry fee. Yeah, and, and everyone back. who, like, everyone who I gave money to at 538 was there, like, wait, I'm getting paid? This is awesome. So that was, this was really good. So, well, yeah, I feel like we, we chose a good payout structure, both from a paying per event perspective. Because for a lot of places, like, they'll aggregate the pop bonuses and then either point rank you or your winnings will be determined by your rank in the last tournament of the season. Yeah. Which is nice if you have a lot of, if you have not a lot of people, right? Because then it it makes, it inflates the pot number to a desirable level, Mm -hmm. but you're not handing people like $20 for first place kind of thing out per tournament or whatever yeah right i mean we are lucky in that ryan is willing to put in that much cash to make the event attractive yeah but it, i mean it worked out for him i've talked to i talked to him before i left and it seemed like things went pretty well like well that was one of the busiest sundays he'd had in a while that's that what he was good. telling me he's like i kind of wish we, you guys would um schedule for more sundays because there are dead day anyways so the only thing with that is I don't know I don't know how much of that was the fact that we got lucky because it was Memorial Sunday Day. as Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Getting like people from Tucson and Flagstaff or California and stuff to get over here, Utah, Colorado on a Sunday would be harder because that means they have to go they either have to take Monday off or drive home yeah. at I mean, that's, on Monday. That's, that's brutal. Something that he was cognizant of, but yeah. you know, part part of our being able to do this for the community is also in keeping the business good for end games so yeah we, we, so we can continue ways to incentivize people to actually like buy food when they're there or whatever but yeah and remember guys like um you know we don't we try not to shill out on the sponsors too much during the event but we can talk about it here like end game um the way it works is our we pay end game 300 dollars to use their venue but end game puts in a 250 dollar pot bonus so really plus paying 50 dollars per to yeah, which they, they're kind enough to do. Yeah, but, and they totally deserve that money. I wish we could give them more, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we <laughs> if we had more to give, the... if, if Endgame was not willing to sponsor us the way they have by essentially offering up three hundred and fifty dollars per tournament to help us pay for expenses, doing the pop bonus, helping us pay our tos, 
I'm, would this wouldn't happen. This this wouldn't exist. So yeah. if you if you come to our events, buy a beer, buy some food, like like definitely support them because yeah, it's more. You're, if you're supporting them, you're supporting us in the long run, and, and you're we're support, supporting you. And, so. Well, you're supporting the scene. Yeah, you're, you're totally like yeah, and you're supporting us in the long run, but you're supporting the scene, and it's it's important for companies like the Endgame, like. You know, we don't ever want to venue space. Yeah, you know? we don't ever want to like chill energy drinks and be like, check out this super awesome energy drink. Like, <laughs> yeah. you could win a car. Like, like, you already know what Red Bull is. You already know what what Vault is. Monster. Like, what more do you need? Yeah. Right. But it's but we do want to encourage people to really support the venue because a place like Game Game is a really great place. And if you're there, I know like you've already paid ten bucks for your for your entry and stuff like that. But spend five bucks on a beer. They have a Game of Thrones themed beer there. Like. It's a really good double ale from Omengong. Like, it's really good stuff. So, I mean, when you're there, and I don't think it's a problem. I'm, I think that the people have been buying plenty of stuff. But I do want to say, like, Endgame is the primary reason all of this even happened. And it's because of their generosity, essentially, and their willingness to grow gaming and competitive gaming in Arizona. So buy a shot. Buy a beer. Yeah. You know, maybe after you've lost your matches, you don't want to go impaired into a Smash game unless, <laughs> unless you're Mango. But <laughs> yeah. that's what Keller was telling me. He's like, I'm drinking to make it fair for everyone else. I'm like, I hope that works out for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a really great, it was a great experience overall. I mean, I was really impressed with the community. So you, you left and you missed. Around like seven, yeah, unfortunately. Yes. So the only thing that I'd have to say, our, our TOs were like totally competent. There, there was a mistake that was made by Javier, who was our lead TO. And that was starting the doubles bracket late. Yeah, he late, tried late. to delay the doubles bracket to start it at the same time as the top thirty-two. Um, but in order to get the doubles money, he want, we needed to go in there and handle it and stuff because we had the square reader and all that stuff. And so he delayed it for us. There was kind of a communication failure there. And what ended up happening was the doubles bracket ran in, in over into the singles bracket because everyone who was in the top of the singles bracket was also in the top of the doubles bracket, which you're going to expect. Um, and it caused a massive delay in the singles bracket to the point where at 10 o'clock, which is when everyone has to leave Endgame uh, because it's a bar, so if you're under 21, you have to leave by 10 p.m., the, um, the singles bracket still had three matches left to be played, and the grand finals had the, uh, the doubles matches had not been played yet. Grand finals being the last two teams? Yeah, the last the final two teams had to face each other. So we got in this weird situation where, like, we didn't have a venue anymore, but we had, we, you know, we still had all the money. Like, we had to figure out something. So Samurai Panda, Alan, um, who's a cool guy, uh, offered to host the remainder of the tournament at his house in Phoenix. And everyone packed up their stuff, was literally ready to, like, go out the door. There were some people who had left and had gotten to the 143 highway already. And we found out at the last minute that due to a legal loophole, the patio of Endgame is not considered part of the premises, which is why they, you're not allowed to have alcohol there. But it also means it's it's all ages at all times. All times yep. So we were actually able to finish the tournament there because uh, Shane, SS, S, who's who actually ended up taking the whole thing, he's 16. So he, uh, we ended up, like, we found that out. And the guys who were at the 143 Highway turned around, drove back. We set up a system. We plugged it into the stream. And we finished the matches on the patio, which was super awesome. And I just have to, and I said this in our wrap up post that I posted on our thing, but like, I'm very impressed with the Smashers because like, Smash has always been like an orphan game, right? It's like the orphan. Well, yeah, fuck if Nintendo had their say, right? <laughs> it's like the orphan child of esports. Like, it's a poor game in terms of like, there's not a lot of money in it. 
but the, it has been completely built upon the backs of the people who have the the drive and the passion. Yeah, ar- for it. arguably the most passionate players. I, like, like I'm sure you can see this in other places. But to go back to what you were asking me earlier about things that struck me, like there were people there who were actually like dissecting plays and talking about combos and stuff and while I personally like will never be that competitive at Smash because I have other games I'd prefer to put my time into like Dota or, or Insurgency or something seeing people like you know someone cares about the game they're talking about when they're talking about it in insane detail like yeah. that there's a fly on that fucking monitor it's God. terrifying me do you remember that fly from China when we were on that bus I still have pictures of that fucking <laughs> oh fly dude oh my god dude your time is now, fly. <laughs> Down with the sea. Yes! <laughs> He'll be back. Yeah. But, uh, it was, yeah. It's, I mean, a, a more passionate community, I, I've never met one. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, no toxin whatsoever. Like, everyone's super no, nice. Everyone was really nice and Very opening. genteel, like, people thanking me for taking the registration money. It's like, you know, you know yeah. you don't have to do that. But yeah. it, it adds to the, the kindness. I don't know. Yeah, it's a great community. And, you know, I don't want to give some long spiel about how, like, oh, it's the Smash effect and blah, blah, blah. Like, Smashers never give up and stuff. But, like, I'm impressed. Like, the guys on the patio, like, when we were on the patio, there's a guy who's like, dude, you don't understand. For Smash, this is a luxury, be playing on the patio of a venue. Like, this is awesome. So Yeah, it could be on 20-inch CRTs in, like, a school cafeteria yeah. or some shit. So they are, like, it's just cool to meet a group of guys who, like, no one got mad at us when the when the venue ran over. No one, like, got all pissed off. Even now, like, there's not all this flame wars happening on, uh, against us or anything like that. Like, everyone was totally understanding, and we made it work. And, like, that's why we go out for the Smash community because, like, the Smash community, Smash community turns out for us you, you work with us we'll work for you yeah you know? <laughs> so we're looking forward to the next one the next one is uh, sweet spot melee number two on june 6th we are expecting double the registration we had last time so it should be on par with this one hopefully we can go up to 100 registrants um i know there's a lot of positive word of mouth about that one so you know show up bring setups support your local smash community and we could get to the point where we could be hosting nationals here someday you know i'm not going to say like oh we weren't we're going to make smash huge across the world but I can see Sack Gaming hosting nationals in a year or two. Yeah, I can see I would, it. <laughs> what a what a day that would be! It would be totally awesome. I'm, I'm you know a massive hall in a hotel or in a, or the Phoenix Convention Center. You know, get some lights set up, like huge like three story monitors. Like, come <laughs> on, it'd be so sick. Oh man, it'd be rad. So we're really excited, and thank you to everyone who came out. Thank you who thank you to everyone who brought setups. Um, who were not afraid to give us criticism. I've gotten a few messages from people. And afterwards, I hung out with all the Smash guys, and they told me, like, you got to do this, you got to do this. This was so cool. This could be better, but thank you so much for doing everything anyways. You know, and I got messages from people saying, I, you know, hey, I feel like I waited too long for my matches. I think you could do this better. But everything was yeah, super feed, positive. Feedback, 100% wanted. Yeah, right? criticism, feedback, send it to us. We want to know. We can't get better... Like, the process doesn't adjust unless we know this problem with the process. Yeah. And I know that, you know... People of the the gaming ilk can be a little socially awkward, or maybe it's hard to feel like you're confronting someone about something. But you'll get nothing but you know, <laughs> like appreciation for feedback from yeah. us. I had this guy Alan message me, and he's like, "Hey man, this was my first tournament. I was super nervous, but like I had a really great time. The only thing is, I feel like I had to wait two or three hours between my matches." 
you know, maybe we can figure out a way to, to make it go faster, even just let people know where we're at in terms of the bracket and stuff. And I'm, and I messaged him back and I said like, thanks a lot and talked to him about it and stuff. But that's definitely what we need. Like we need people to tell us because we want, we want there to be a huge competitive smash scene in Arizona. Like not, not nat- nationwide, but some, we want it to be consistent and reliable. That's in our company motto. Like, you know, reliable, consistent, sustainable gaming in Arizona. That's our goal. So anything you guys can do to, to help us with that, we totally appreciate it. So look out. June 6th, Mealy Sweet Spot number two. And June 20th, Mealy Smash 4 number two. It's going to happen, and it's going to be super rad. So uh, let's talk about the news sure. a little bit. You ready? We got a few news stories here. We're going to keep it tight tonight because i got to edit these two podcasts and actually make sure they get up. Well, if we want to just do the geeky news stuff, unless I don't... Well, let's talk about Mad Max because we have two stories in this vein today, and it's an interesting topic of discussion. In the gender vein. The gender vein. <laughs> Hashtag Gamergate. Yeah. Well, so I don't, I don't know how I... How this came up, I, I it might have been one of those like side trending stories from on Facebook. They'll show you or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's some the the so-called men's rights movement, which maybe we'll be able to define a little better in a sec, is saying that Mad Max is feminine propaganda or feminist, sorry, propaganda because oh, see, okay, yeah, because. Um, women are featured more in the movie than men are and it's about like a group of women or something and that didn't get to me so much as the fact that there's a men's rights movement and what does that entail and man is that a dark warrant of stupid bullshit is it really <laughs> did, you, did you go down the it's rabbit like hole it's like the kkk of gender it's so stupid and uh, like everything that i read there's some like valid like things that they talk about and i think the most prevalent one is like as a man, you will not win a custody battle most of the time. Like, the, yeah. the way that the legal system is set up and the way that, like, gender bias in terms of child care pervades into that, those decisions pretty much guarantees that even if you're, like, a more capable parent, as a father, you will probably not get the rights to sole custody of your child. It yeah. just isn't going to happen. The weird thing about that is and that... And then you'll get blamed for being uh, an absentee father, and then you have to pay for two different households in money, and it's... I think that's just complete bullshit to me. Yeah. But there's a lot of other stuff goes into that's like... Um, like, as, like, read the Wikipedia article on it when you have some time, because it's, it's a big laugh. And almost everything that's, like, super terrible is... is from the men's rights group in India, which you can, oh, <laughs> you can imagine how great how great that yeah. shit is. But it's all literally like aside from that thing, which I consider to be pretty reasonable, right? Yeah. Like there is a, a clear gender bias there against men. It's all shit that's that's super misogynistic and like uh, the men's rights movement believes that oh Jesus. We we gotta look it up, but I, I wanted to uh sort of query you and see if there was anything you thought about in that vein of like well so go up go up, go back up go to issues and then you can look through some anti-dowry laws oh yeah circumcision is one thing child custody legit um, divorce all, pretty much always favors women that's another gender bias in law that, that just happens because of social stigma and the assumption that if you're a fucking like if you're getting divorced, that it's the man's fault, even though <laughs> divorce courts are frequently like slaughterhouses. Well, this is uh, 
I think this is, you know, an actual men's rights author, so take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's just so weird. I didn't even know that this existed. Like, I've known that things about this exist. Like, there is... I've seen videos that Vice has put up about... There's, you know, a group of dads who are like, you know, I make a lot of money or whatever, and I have, like, time to spend with my child, but the court just, like, gave it to my my drug-addicted ex-wife because she's the woman in the relationship and she got the child and that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. But a lot of this stuff is literally just like, well, women clearly aren't as good as men, but you're treating them like they are and that's unacceptable. Well, they had... So, (laughs) the interesting thing about as far as, like, the uh, divorce stuff and the, like, the root of that actually comes from uh, sexually like gender skewed roots of men right men made the decision that the child should always be with the mother that that's that old notion that, like women are maternal women should take care of the children if a man and a woman get divorced the child should go with the mother because of course the child needs its mother yeah and but that's, that, that's I feel that's, like that's a more ancient idea than it is a, fa- a gender fabrication like the men as a man, your body is more suited for hunting, so you would go out and hunt while the woman would gather. And, and you know, that's not true of every tribe, but that is the yeah. general consensus that anthropology has told us about the way that ancient societies ran. So, that I mean, that's like the, the, the progenitor of the ideas of maternity and that women take care of children or whatever. Yeah. We know better than that now. We know that a man is just as capable of child-rearing as a woman if it has to be, like... But that doesn't really pervade in the social sense because the assumption is if you're in court at a point where you are having to argue over custody, it's because of something the guy did. You don't even ask. You just make the assumption that the man did something wrong and so he shouldn't have custody of the child. Not yeah. true 100% of the time. No. Maybe 80%, maybe 50 Like, But that is a dangerous assumption to make because <laughs> women can be fucked up about about yeah. the way they treat their kids so yeah anybody any parent can. yeah um i i wrote an interesting uh, article about this um in when i was working with the state the press state press yeah uh last year or man of many talents yes um, <laughs> multi, i'm diverse what can i say um but i wrote an article for the state press when i was an opinion columnist for them and it was called uh it was about it was about reverse sexism and the idea that like Sexism is essentially a two-way street, and I do believe this. Like, because essentially, what the, the what sexism is at the root is making a claim about all members of a class. All men are X. All women are Y. Like, and it's wrong to do that. Period. But like, yeah, you'll always be wrong when you make that a basis of shit. Yeah. yeah, you when you have you know, it's wrong to say all women are stupid. All women are inferior to men. Women should not be paid. All women should not be paid the same amount that men make. But it's also wrong to say that all men are misogynistic and all men are uh, un- do not understand women's feelings. All men are uh, rapists. All men are sex fiends. Like, it definitely happens on both ends of the spectrums. And it's one of those things that, like, I, I my, my personal thing with it was that, like, it's not fair to me. Like, I'm, I'm a feminist. I'm not, like a, like, a hardcore feminist. But I'm very firmly for women's rights. I believe that women should have all the same rights as men. They should be paid the same as men. I don't think it's fair that there are women who do the same kind of work that you or I, like, that you do or that I do or I will do in the computer field who get paid, like, 75 cents to the dollar. Oh, that doesn't really happen in our industry. but Because it's the people are rare well, in general. It's too new, pretty much. But, yeah. I mean, like, the... 
you know, and I have a small company, so it can't really be, I can't make this extrapolation to larger uh, business units, but one of the, like, key personnel, technical personnel who are making serious, like, design decisions and architectural decisions at my company is a woman. Yeah. And she's super great at her job. I love working with her because she, she never does it wrong. She knows exactly what's going on all the time. It's easy for me to talk to her and extract the information I need to do my job. Like, I wish more people were like that. It's hard to work with the men that I work with a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, but she gets paid, you know, a lot. And certainly a lot more than me for, for our company having, air quotes, no, <laughs> no hierarchy. Yeah. But, like, I think that, uh, I, you know, I think that the men's rights movement might have some general ideas. Like, I see some things that it's like, uh, you know, there's compulsory military service that men for men have to do, but women don't. And yeah, but that's. I mean, we've talked about that in previous podcasts where people are like they they did that test for letting women try and go through combat boot for the Marines, I think, or the Army. Yeah. A none of them passed, which I don't know if that was political reasons or if they just weren't physically capable. I kind of doubt that. Yeah, but. That's also born of another antiquated notion, right? That, like, men fight. Like, when you need some violence to happen, you call a man to do it. And that's because, on average, men are, like, way easier to justify violence morally than women. Yeah. Like, they did a study that shows that, like, an overwhelming percentage of men would agree that, like, killing Hitler is a good idea and would have saved people a lot of trouble and like no percent of women think that that's an okay thing to do even though he caused the death of millions of people they're like no everyone should have a chance at life whereas you know you ask me it's like no he <laughs> if we could have killed him you know yeah. <laughs> like before that should happen that is the right decision 100 percent. yeah well but there's also like you know when it comes to military service i know women who are way more brutal killers oh, yeah. than men were. I mean, they say that, like, women make the best snipers because they don't give a shit. They are cold-blooded. Mm-hmm. In their mind, they're defending their home, and that's all that matters. Like, I knew a girl, this girl, Brooke, that I worked with well, at a yeah, restaurant. We've actually talked about you met her. I've yeah. met her before. I mean, Brooke, was, Brooke is 31 now, and she spent, like, four or five years in, uh, in the Army and served in Iraq. And was a medic and carried men. She's like five feet tall. She carried men who were three hundred pounds and six foot five. Like yeah, wearing in full hundred pounds of gear. Yeah, like she, she, you know, women can step up just as much as men. I just think that like the whole notion that there are these massive differences between men and women is antiquated, and I think well, it's something that needs to go away. There but are I, certain like core differences, right? Well, like, yeah, at the physical, at the physical level, there are severe. Differences, not that they can't be overcome, right? I bet you Brooke could could whoop my ass in her own wrestling match. You know, yeah. like and I'm a pretty strong guy, but if you've trained to be stronger than me, that's a way you can overcome your normal physique, right? Yeah. But to anyone who like, I really hate when people say this. It's so st- stupid. But anyone who, <laughs> if you actually believe that women are in some way mentally inferior to men, you are. <laughs> You are so stupid. Like, it, it doesn't even make sense that you've survived this long being that dumb. Like, do you put your tongue in wall sockets, too? Do you lick windows of cleaner on them? Like, yeah. Ugh. It's... But that... 
that it's, it goes back to the same thing when they're like measuring African American people's heads and like your head's different, therefore you're not a human. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, any excuse. It's yeah. Some people just they have to see the world sithly, as it were. <laughs> it has to be black and white, man yeah. and woman. And uh, it's just not that way, and we don't live in that world anymore. And well, unfortunately, the problem is we do live in that world. And while we're making strides to get to a point where we are equal, I, I don't know. For me, like I don't like the feminist movement either because the feminist movement today is not about equality. The feminist movement today is about women are superior. I think there's. I think bullshit, I don't think that's true though. That's, my mother's my mother's a feminist and she is not that way. I think that. How old is your mom though? Forty six. So she was in feminist in the infancy when it's actually about equality. I'm talking about today's feminism. I think that there's different kinds. There's spectrums of it, right? Like there's extreme feminists who are about women are superior to men. And we don't need men. Like lock them in a cage and use them for breeding. Like. <laughs> Snoo-stoo, death by snoo death by snoo But there are, and then there are moderate feminists who are like, we just, everyone should be equal. Like, we deserve equal rights. But yeah, I agree. I, guess, I think unfortunately, that, those people aren't the ones who actually get the podium and get no, to talk. it's the extreme ones it's who are the loudest, crisis. just like it, with Islam, just like with anything like that. It's the extreme people who get the pulpit. Yeah. And... And yeah, I mean, I don't like that kind of extremism. I don't like extremism in general. I don't think that yeah, extremism it's always, is it's tolerable. It's almost always the wrong position to take. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it is interesting. I, the, the men's rights, I mean, I think men have rights just as much as women, but the problem is, is that men have held women down and have taken away their rights and withheld their rights from them. And so it is not, you're not taking away a man's right when you give rights to women. But on the same side, like, it's not fair to say all men are sexist pigs because all men are not sexist pigs, and anyone who says that is is, sex, is sexist. No, <laughs> it's it's that base chauvinism that will always exist. Yeah, it will never go away. Yeah, and speaking of chauvinism, um, yeah, it's milk uh, transition. So, uh, milk tea, who is no a well, that is. she's a well-known smasher in the Mealy community. Um, back when Mealy originally started out, back in two thousand six. Um, she was very well known because she was a girl and she was really good. She was good at the game, like very good. I don't know how many first place finishes she had or anything like that, but she was very well known. Um, and she just did a Ted, a Ted Ed talk recently where she talked about sexism in gaming and how she essentially heard thesis is she met it with compassion and then that's the best way to deal with it. But she told all these stories about being a girl in the smash community flying around the country, going to all these major tournaments, placing pretty decently, making some money at it. And she said, like, oh, it was so great, except I started seeing things like, you know, I started seeing things like, well, milk tea's a whore. And, you know, things like, the biggest accusation that she got was that she only wanted, she was just a girl who wanted attention. And that was why she played Smash. And that she actually didn't care that much about the game. She was just a girl who was looking for attention. And all the guys, because all of the guys... I would love for anyone who said that to go fucking play her in a match and see and how see, much yeah. she destroys them. Yeah. Like, and so she... And the thing is, like, if you look at a picture of her, she's actually, like... Let's see. She's actually, like, really pretty. You know? Yeah, from... Uh... She was in the documentary, right? Yeah, she was. Um, yeah, she was in the Smash Brothers documentary. Well, that's even the picture from that. Exactly. So. And she seems like a really cool person. So the, so the thing that she talked about was the fact that, like, she's a girl who plays Smash, and that is a rarity, and that she... Well, I mean, just 
like competitive games in general. Yeah, and she talked about how she got hounded because she was a woman. Not that, not even just by people saying bad mean things to her, but by people freaking out because she was a girl constantly just being like, "Holy shit, it's a girl who plays Smash!" And guys would get super weird and mouth breathy around her and like totally freak out and swarm her and stuff. And they talk about it in the documentary. They talk about I think it was West Balls who was talking about like. He was like, dude, like, give her some space. Like, she's a good-looking girl, and she, it's cool that she plays Smash, but, like, let her breathe, man. You know, let her chill. Um, and she talks about how she faced some very extreme sexism because people would say things to her like, well, you're, you know, you're only important in because... There was one thing she mentioned that was like, you're only important because uh, you're you're just a fantasy for a bunch of nerds. You know, like, go, sick a dr- go suck a dick in some shit smasher's dream kind of thing like just people shit people would people things people would say on the internet that's i'll never understand that because you'd think you'd want more chicks more girls like as a gamer when i think of like the ideal woman it's a woman who plays games and yet when and i'm sure that's not just me yeah but then these these dudes see these chicks online and just like do everything they can to put them down like no you want to invite more of that you know we want we want to, you know, are there female Dota players? I haven't seen a single one. Neither have I. Yeah, no. I mean, there. I mean, we had what three, three players, female players at our tournament. I think so. Yeah, out of seventy people, we had Artemis. Shout out, she was she was pretty cool. She brought a setup, um, and I think there was two other girls that showed up and played too. Yeah. Um, I mean, a female gamer just won BAM Seven, which is Battle at Melbourne in Australia. Uh, it's the it's a tournament they host there and is it Smash in Smash yeah, yeah. And she she won you know um, but the it's so like one of the things that she's talked about like she says like listen the way that I responded to it was I was just really nice to people and I what and I wrote articles about like what it's like because you know she she said that she actually distanced herself from the community because she internalized a lot of that she's like I internalized a lot of that negativity that people threw at me and I started to think like them. I would look at a girl and be like, why is she so girly? What is she actually even play video games? Does she actually even care about games? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, eventually I distanced myself from the Smash community entirely until I started seeing things where people were talking about how it's the Smash community. There was like something that was like, I, I, we need to stop blaming the Smash community for all the bad things on the internet. Most of us actually like girls and stuff and want and are accepting them. So she came out and she was like, it's really her, her essential thing is she accused the Smash community of not being accepting to women. She said that there was a lot of sexism, there was a lot of uh, misogyny, that there was a lot of inappropriate things that would be said to her, and she would be treated very differently because she was a girl. And that's ignited a little bit of a firestorm to the tune of a 550-comment thread in the Million On Me podcast group um, <laughs> of people just talking about, like, is there a problem in the Smash community with, with sexism? How Can it be fixed, and how can we fix it? Is, well, sure, it can be fixed. Don't be a cunt. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, a lot of times there's no cure for that. But, like, if if as a group you're going to work towards trying to make a, a, a class or a group of people more accepting to women, then you just need to be accepting of them. Like, it's not hard to pinpoint places where you are not being accepting of a person. Yeah. Right? You, It takes about a second of introspection to figure that out so if you're a smash player think about every time you've used sexist language or 
you know, and I, I feel like a lot of times because when when chicks get good at game, they get good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and it's because dudes know that they can't stack up to that. Like you're going to go into a tournament with milk tea, and she's going to shut your ass down completely. Like what? The only way you can really retaliate is by being an asshole. And unfortunately, being an asshole to women is easy. Yeah. Right. So just don't do that, and you don't have a problem. Right? Yeah, well, and, but, and, kid, but tell that to thirteen-year-old kids who don't have any sense or inhibition. Like, well, and tell that to a third. And it, it's not even just the treating women with negativity; it's treating them so differently. Like, I have to admit, if I was fifteen or sixteen-year-old guy and I met a girl like Milk Tea, I would be fucking drooling all over well, myself. You can't, and I'd be like, oh my god, it's a girl who plays Smash. Oh, that's oh, because, oh. You're, in general, like at that age, you're not socially adjusted. Right, yeah. that is never going to go away. Unfortunately, you're going to be an awkward, pimply nerd kid at a tournament. You're going to see a girl who plays Smash is hot, and you're going to breathe through your mouth. It's just <laughs> yeah. going to that sequence of events that is going to occur, no matter what your attitudes are about women. Right? Yeah. So, but if I mean, if there's really a place to start, it's don't be an asshole, yeah. right? Like. Watch any Call of Duty videos where it's a chick playing Call of Duty or even a dude doing a chick's voice on Xbox Live. I know, I've seen those videos. And how much assholes, like, little kids are to them and and grown men. Like, you'd think that they would treat people better, but they just can't do it. That's where you fix it. Yeah. Once you get rid of negativity, then you can start working on social adjustment. But that's... uh, There are two completely different spheres of problems, right? So... (laughs) Yeah. I just I know that like yeah if I had met a girl like Milty I would have been like it's funny because in the in the Smash Brothers documentary uh, she dated PC Chris who was yeah. like one of the top Smashers and uh, they just met and hung out and then they hit it off and started dating and his one of the things he said it he he was like I don't I didn't know what to say to her at first because I knew everything I said was going to sound like I was hitting on her and that wasn't my goal you know but it's hard I mean like it's hard not to comment on that and like the best thing to do is to just not th- think about the fact that they're a girl but like I remember doing that all the time if I met a girl who played games I'd be like whoa like you like games that's so unorthodox like and for me it was more like how did you get into games how how do how can we get more let me know your games? story girl yeah it's like <laughs> it's but it is a very uh, unique thing and it's unfortunate that it's that it's a rare occurrence and I, there should be more women in Smash you know I, I would love to see Kimmy play Smash I would love to. I would love to see a girl win a major tournament like Big House Five or Evo or anything like that. You know, and so it's it's definitely like a lot of people in the, in the Smash community are saying right now there does not need to be, um, you know, that this conversation. A lot of people are saying that all she's doing is exacerbating the is making it seem worse than it is and making the community look bad. Well, to an extent, I feel like there's probably some framing of the larger issue of how gamers treat women less smash gamers right yeah. i mean i don't personally i mean whatever her story might be I don't, who knows if that's even par for the course for women in the smash community right like yeah i didn't see anyone giving artemis a, a hard time or any other chicks who are at end game like yeah i didn't see that if i did i probably have something to say about it you know <laughs> yeah. but like it i don't know this could be a little bit of like trying to take the problem at large and pull it into her game, but I'm I'm sure it happens. You know, like it it's a gaming community. It does exist, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. It's just is it as toxic here as it is in like the gaming community as a whole, where you get things like Gamergate or whatever that bullshit was with that woman. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was blowing up in the media is. for the longest yeah. time, and it was just and all it was was just people. It was just 
misogynist men trying to keep the status quo, essentially. Uh, and the unfortunate thing, too, is, like, when I encounter that kind of behavior in, like, say, a Dota match or, or when I'm playing Insurgency or something, like, be it sexism or racism, it's fucking vilely rampant. Yes, yeah. The, I think the reason a lot of people, like, give people a hard time for bringing this shit up is it seems to be very, like, isolated. Because you learn to ignore it after a while. Yeah. Like, you learn to just not give a fuck. Like, people will just type the N-word in chat over and over again. In, in any game you can think of yeah. playing, that's going to happen. Yeah. And there's a point where you're just like, I don't give a shit about you. I don't give a shit what you're saying. But there's some people who take a lot of umbrage to that, and they're not wrong to, who can't let it go. And then they they make it out to be a bigger deal than people think it is, right? Yeah. And and some people don't actually experience a lot of that stuff. And maybe that's why. Maybe it's the lucky few who get exposed to that for the first time and are just like, fuck this, I gotta say something about it. Like, then you get the big deal, but... Uh, I don't know. You can't... No cure for being a cunt, so... Yeah, there's <laughs> definitely not. And I think... Uh, yeah, I think the best thing that the Smash community can do if they're worried about their image is just be nice to women and be nice to people in general. You know, don't use sexist, misogynistic language. And if you see a girl at a tournament, make her feel welcome. Don't run up and hit on her, you know, because she's probably not going to go out with you. Like, yeah, or I've never probably met, already has a dude. Yeah, probably has a boyfriend <laughs> already. But don't but don't treat him like don't treat him like a piece of meat. If you see a girl at a Smash tournament. Talk to her. Did you know that women are also people? Yeah. Do you know that they're just another human being that has hopes and desires and skills and capabilities? Like, you just connect with them on that level and make a friend. You know, don't be a fucking asshole about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, moving on, additional Smash news. Uh, So, Zero is the best Smash 4 player in the world. Uh, he has been basically since the game came out. He has placed first in 34 consecutive tournaments. Every single tournament he has entered for the last 34 tournaments, he has won, including Apex 2015 and um, not Evo because Evo 2014 did not have Smash 4, but Apex 2015, which was like the big meta tournament where that like establishes a lot of things in the scene. He won that. He won. He's won every SoCal tournament he's been to. He's a big deal. Uh, recently, he called out the entire Smash 4 community and said, No one can beat me. I'm better than everybody out there, and I'm bored. Everyone step up and try and, and, try and see what you can do. And so the, uh, the CEO of the CEO uh, tournament, which is, um, we just looked it up, it's Community Effort Orlando, which is a big fighting game tournament in Orlando. Um, he stepped up and said, I will give $500 to the person who knocks... Uh, who knocks zero out of the bracket at CEO. So his event, which is coming up um, June 26th to the 28th, if you... In Orlando. In Orlando. If you knock zero out, he will personally give you $500. Now, this is knock zero out of the whole tournament or, like, from winners to losers? The whole tournament. uh, The person who knocks him from winners to losers gets $100. The person who knocks him out of the tournament completely gets $500. Cash. (laughs) In their pocket. Well, that's a bounty. So um, that's really interesting to see. And and the thing with the Smash 4 meta is that, like, it's so young. I mean, Smash 4 only came out last December. And it's just, like, 
it's yeah, still I mean, there hasn't been there's been a couple of patches but there haven't been a lot of patches that like completely changed the character or anything well and people like, are still learning people are still figuring things out like zero is infinitely ahead of the game obviously like he's like the he's best got some trick like he, i'm sure like just like you know the fact that vi was just figured out like three months ago exactly right, right? i'm sure he knows something that no one else knows and that's what's given him he's got a knack but he it's interesting and and a lot of people are saying, oh, he's a cocky asshole, blah, blah, blah. I think this is cool. I hope that uh, people do step up. I hope That's that just how you this get makes the next people... generation of players. Yeah, dude, I, mean. I want to see people train harder. I want to see guys like Shane and Aravalt and Wafty chase after that money and get him at uh, get him at CEO. Or if they don't go to CEO, they're definitely going to Evo. And I want to see them. I want to see like Shane, who's the guy who took first place at yeah, our real, tournament. Real cool dude. Brought yeah. a setup. Thanks for that. Yeah, I want to see him take first place at Evo yeah. over zero. It could happen. So... This is actually pretty cool, and uh, more CEOs of a big fighting game tournament should put bounties on people's heads. I think that would be a cool system to have. Well, I don't know that you have many people who are, except for like in the early days of Ken when he was playing Melee at the very beginning. Like, I don't know that you have anyone in any other game who's winning 34 consecutive yeah. tournaments. Undeniably right? dominant yeah. for long stretches of time, and you always and you seem to have that early in games, like uh, in every game, every eSport, there's a, a person who seems to go undefeated for a long period of time. Well, that's they usually because they know early. some fucking trick that no yeah. one else, you know, be it like wave dashing or the Marf fucking like... The Ken combo. The Ken combo or things like that, like that people need to completely like wrap their head around an entire meta in order to find a counter for, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. But uh, some, uh, hopefully at CEO we will see, uh, we'll see Zero get taken down. And that's going to be pretty interesting. And then we had a little bit of conversation about this earlier today, but uh, you're super into Dota now. You're, in, yeah. you're hooked. hooked. I mean, in. I've always liked Dota, Hook, but I'm, in, sinker I'm right into, into the Dota to like a heroin addict now. Yeah, you're I've put money it. into it, so yeah, <laughs> it's a game now to me. Yeah, it's real. It exists. Yeah. You're all about it, but you you did some research on Heroes of the Storm. Yes, because... And tell me what you found. I mean, the premise is almost perfect, right? Like... You have all these iconic characters from Blizzard games, Diablo, Tyrael from Diablo, yes. uh, Nova, Jim Raynor, Tychus from StarCraft, etc. Like, you can be Arthas. They've got, like, way more Warcraft Decker heroes team. than anyone else. I don't know. I didn't look through the whole Stay list. Stay a while and listen. Stay a while and adore. <laughs> but um, on the face of it, like, when, when I saw the trailer for it, I had the biggest boner. So I was like, I can be Diablo. <laughs> but when it comes down to the actual details, it it just falls short. I mean, it, it doesn't have a lot of the same mechanics Dota has, even though Dota was originally like a Blizzard platform game in the first place. <laughs> like, like it, it's kind of sad, too, because some of the Heroes of the Storm heroes are actually just like blatant ripoffs of Dota ones. Of like, course. They have a Pudge whose name is Stitches. That's what Pudge was basically... It's weird because you say that, but a lot of... Basically, all, many Dota heroes, especially the original core heroes, were actually... Well, um, they're just reskin Warcraft 3. Yeah, I mean, Pudge is Stitches. Pudge, Pudge was actually the Stitches model that they took and gave all those abilities to and stuff. 
So when they have, but he's not called a stitches. He's called an abomination or whatever for the. But there's there's a special abomination called stitches. Okay, he's a named abomination. Well, so I'm sure they did the same thing with the puck that they have. That's called Brightwing, which is literally shit. By the way, literally just a fairy from fairy dragon. Yeah, fairy dragon from Warcraft. Well, and so I understand there's going to be that overlap, but it's. I don't know. I feel like they could... like So, do you remember Warcraft 3 in the Frozen Throne, that model of Arthas playing the ice guitar? They made a hero of that. Of Arthas playing the ice it's guitar? It's not Arthas playing the ice guitar, but they made a hero that's called, like, Waguin the Rock God or something. Look up, look up Heroes of the Storm Heroes. Just look that up. But, you know, so... On the face of it, it would seem like a great idea, but... I feel like it's too late. Like, we were talking about this when we were eating at Portillo's earlier, but... Where is he? Yeah, so it's not Moradin, even in the same fucking game that they had. It's Moradin now. Yeah. Uther just looks like Gaben, by the way. Is it Asmodon? No, that's the Lord of Sin. Abathur? Is it Abathur? Abathur, the rock god. No. no, that's from StarCraft. Yeah. It's not a new barack. It's not. Oh, maybe I gotta look it up later. But um, no, go down, go down in support. Rhaegar. No, Frag. I totally saw it on the. I don't know, but uh... um. ETC? Oh, is it... Uh, Elite Torrin Chieftain, the rock god. Yeah, he's act- that's actually from World of Warcraft. He's a... Uh, okay. Do you remember level 70 Elite Torrin... They were, they were level 60 Elite Torrin Chieftain, then 70, then 80, then 90. I never played WoW, Steve. Well, so in World of Warcraft, they actually... There was... Um, originally, it was a a metal group got together called themselves Level 60 Elite Torrent Tieftain and made a song a metal song about Murlocs that was like I am Murloc <laughs> and so it was like super brutal so they actually got their own in character models and stuff okay. so that's where ETC the, comes the from. picture I saw earlier looked like he had big old uh, like speakers behind him I was like come on no. he's the guy from uh, from Mad Max yeah. with the flaming guitar <laughs> yeah but so unlike Dota you don't have gold you don't buy items. You do have to buy heroes, which is you have to pay for heroes. You have to pay for heroes. Ten thousand, like either, sweat, either sweat gold a or... shit ton of time gold, or an unreasonable ton of money gold. Yeah, which is too much. Like if you so to any MOBA game makers out there, word of advice: never pay lock your heroes and never pay lock abilities. League of Legends is the only one that gets away with it because they did it first. Yes, and no one will... And that's... I don't know. League is just fucking bullshit. I mean, the rotating hero rosters and stuff, like, that's... How do you even have a competitive scene when you don't even know what heroes are going to be there when the tournament Well, the people around? who are super competitive have every hero unlocked. They've either paid for it or earned it. And on, on the actual tournament day, they give there's a tournament version of League of Legends that has every hero and every skin mm, unlocked. Okay, so pointless. Yeah. Just extracting money from the peasants. Anyways. The plebs, yeah. I don't know. I just I looked through mechanics, and Dota is just so much so perfect in comparison. This is just Blizzard's like me too grab to try and get this money. But unlike Hearthstone, it can't work. Like I see people, like I don't want to share experience with my team. I want to be rewarded or punished 
from my own individual decisions in a game, right? Yeah. That's how you have a team. That's why communication matters. Like, if if I can just have one super strong guy go and kill everything and then get levels without having to do any work, then I haven't done any work. I'm not having fun in a fucking game. I'm just like, well, this is fun, I guess, just, like, running around doing nothing. Yeah. The models look like shit. Apparently, you can buy some form of fast transit that is a rideable wolf, which looks totally fine for the Warcraft characters and not fine for, like, the Starcraft ones, like seeing Tychus riding a giant brown wolf into battle and Diablo riding a giant brown wolf into battle. <laughs> just looks fucking stupid. And the mounting thing is weird, too, because that's, like, a thing in the game where, like, you can mount up to get across the map faster and stuff like that. Like, Yeah, I mean, there's... Time will tell, but a lot of the, the way they have it set up is just, it seems to me like the exact wrong way to do it. Maybe it's because I'm, you know, so high off the Dota Kool-Aid or whatever, but I like gold, right? I like that it's a scalable resource that equates into, like, like with Dota, the only thing that differentiates one person from another is their skill. That is something that no other MOBA game can make a claim to because every other mobile game either forces you to pay for heroes in some fashion or like heroes of the of the storm does makes you like have to level your heroes in a metagame sense in order to have effective leveling and skills on your heroes in an actual playing of the game sense yeah and that seems like a huge and stupid mistake to make right like because it's only skill now I can pick a hero that I like, and I don't have to put in time with it to make that hero better, but I can put a little bit of money in it to make it look cooler. Like, if I put time into that hero, I'm getting better with them, right? But I'm also learning the game as a whole. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I just paid $10 to unlock Arthas. Now i got to spend like 40 hours getting all of his talents I put a substantial amount of time to Arthas. Do I even want to play any other fucking character yeah. again? Like you, and even money. Like who knows? Maybe I didn't. I couldn't read it, but maybe you actually can pay for the fucking talents too. Like I don't know. It seems like the wrong way to do it for me. And it, yeah, the whole thing just reeks of cash grab by Blizzard. Just seeing the Woba space like blow up and just being like, meow, well. And the weird thing, the strange irony for Blizzard is, you know, Dota was a thing forever, and it was played with Blizzard's client. And it was they built, completely ignored it. And they it. just missed it. And by the time they realized it, it was too late. Valve had already bought Dota 2, and they, I think Blizzard actually tried to sue to get the rights to Dota, because they were like, it was built with our engine, like, it's technically our property, blah, blah, well, blah. they settled. And they failed, or they settled out of court. Yeah, uh, I guess, like... Valve got the name Dota 2, but Defense of the Ancients is owned by Blizzards. By yeah. Blizzard. Activision Blizzard, I guess. But Which they'll never use because it'll confuse people. Yeah. And people will be like, what is this shitty, not good version of Dota? Yeah, that's, that's why Dota 2 is lowercase, right? Instead yeah. of being capital D-O-T, capital A, yeah. like it was in the old days. But Yeah, I... Um, it's weird that they, you know, they totally they missed that. But when the thing is, when I watch Heroes of the Storm... It, I saw it on ESPN two when it was on that, on that one night, and it was boring. I was like watching well, it. And I why was would like, it this be fun? It's not people doing a different item build than they've that they've crafted to play against a specific set of other heroes. Like, there's nothing about the game aside from just like map objectives. Yeah, I don't give a shit about that. I need one map. 
And that is the Dota 2 map. <laughs> yeah. Whatever thematic form it, it takes, I don't care. But, like, the, the symmetric but not perfectly symmetric idea, like the resource-balanced map that provides the three lanes, that's all you need for a MOBA. That is yeah. 100% totally fine. People try and fucking confuse the issue with all this other stupid shit. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I tried to play League of Legends once. I I've download. watched people play League. It doesn't look fun either. The graphics don't look very good. No, it doesn't look, look very fun. Garbage. The abilities don't look enjoyable. Like it just it it does not seem fun to me. And it's the it's very much the same concept as Dota. It is almost a complete. Right, it's a carbon copy. Yeah. And but I remember getting it and I was like, okay, what heroes can I play? Well, there's a whole crap load of them. None yeah, of my it's friends like five hundred heroes today. Yeah, none of them look cool. Five hundred tomorrow, and they all look cartoony and stupid. Yeah. So there's not one that I play. I'd be like, this would be really cool to play. And then when I watch, it just seems easy mode. When you in in lol, there's no gold loss when you die. So the other team gets gold, but you don't lose gold if you die. There's no denying, and there is last hitting. So like Dota is a is really a, a more technically difficult game because there's denying, which adds a whole other spectrum to the game, and there's gold loss if you die. So if you die. You actually have a serious a penalty, other than just being. Well, out it's of the an game incentive not to die. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's why a lot of lol players maybe they come into Dota and just get shit on. Like, I played with a guy who outwardly said, "Like, I'm usually a lol player. I'm just here to see what Dota's like," and he did terribly. Yeah, he was playing Sven. He like leveled okay, but he just kept like thinking he could go out on his own against three people and win. And I'm like, you need to fucking wait. For some yeah. help, you know, like learn I don't know how it happens team. in your Disney bullshit fucking <laughs> League of Legends land, but yeah, Dota is a team game. You communicate with me, and I will help you, and I will make sure that you win. But I can't do that unless you help me too. You know, yeah. Like, I don't know. I I don't know if I'll ever play League. It's just well, one I of those... promise I'll never play League. You said I've the same thing it. about Dota. Yeah, but I I only need one MOBA, right? That's true. Everyone only needs one MOBA. And for me, it's always going to be Dota because I take more pleasure in technical accomplishment than I do in Fantasyland Disney Battle, where yeah. dying means nothing and and there's no technical skill required to do well. Like, yeah. no last hits. What is that bullshit? Yeah. That's, no, no, no denies. There no are last denies. hits. There yeah. is last hitting, but there's uh, there's no denies. And there's and there's no gold boss when you die. And I remember I actually rode on when we went to PAX last time I went. I rode on the train and I was sitting next to a developer from Riot and we talked about the game and he, I was like, you know, I'm mostly a Dota player. I'd never really understood league. And he's like, you know, we've made some, we made some decisions about no, no gold bounties. So no, no losing gold when you die, no denies. And it, we feel like it really opens it up to people more. Um, but it does make it a little bit more casual of a game. But at the same time, I mean, it's huge. You know, it's like we have all the we have yeah, massive I mean, people can obviously make it competitive. But it's the difference between melee and Smash Four, right? Dota Two is melee. It's technical. It requires you to be on your game all the time. Like, can't you cannot die in Dota Two and expect to do well, right? Like, you're obviously gonna die at some point, but not always if you're good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Those twenty five and O's, but there is a serious like penalty for dying that can cripple you and throw an entire game's like progress off whack from what your team was expecting. Yeah, Smash Four is League or League is Smash Four, right? Like, I would almost say League is Brawl. Yeah, that's probably better. That's a better comparison. Yeah. Smash because Smash Four is a very competitive game. 
and it's still slower and less technical. It's, than it's slower and less technical, but it is. It, there's a lot to, left to. But yeah, brawl is the the casual modest of fucking smashes. That's yeah. for sure. So yeah, that's <laughs> like, and and you know if that's a business model that they want to attract, then fine. You know that's totally okay. I don't have to play lol. So any yeah. complaints I make are just from my gilded throne of being a Dota player who is just better than LoL players. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, like, it's just... And, and I've never played LoL. Maybe it's super fun. I'm never going to find out because I don't give a shit about it. I'd rather just play Dota because it fills my need. Right? Yeah. It got to me first. As it were. I mean, and graphics play a big hit into it for me, too. Like, Dota looks a lot more adult and, like, serious. And LoL, literally, every time I see, like, pictures from it, I'm like, is this, like, Candyland? What game are you playing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to play a casual game. I want to play a serious game that challenges me and makes me learn. Yeah. <sighs> so, that's been... Let's go to letters. Oh, wait, we don't have any. Um, <laughs> so, if you have questions about uh, the difference between Here's the Storm and Dota and LoL... Send those questions to uh, sackinkpodcast at gmail.com. That's sackinkpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from people. Still haven't gotten any letters yet. Got to get better about uh, pimping that stuff out. Um, but you can find us on uh, facebook.com slash sackgamingllc, twitter.com slash sackgamingllc, instagram.com slash sackgamingllc, etc. etc. Check out our YouTube. We're going to be uploading the VODs from the Smash tournament soon. I actually just finished downloading them, so it's probably going to take like a week or two to cut them all up and get them uploaded. i got to find the time to do it. Um, but they're going to be up there. Send in those questions. Tell us what you think about the talks we discussed today. We will see you guys next week. That's Sack Up for this week. I'm Steve. I'm Madison. <laughs> I'm Ken. I'm Ken. Sack up, nerds. <laughs>